Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 516. I'm about to head off to my next cruise, which is going to be my first time going to Canada and New England on Serenade of the Seas, and I've got a cruise preview to share with all of you. Here we go. It's almost cruise day, and I'm heading off to Serenade of the Seas this weekend to sail on a seven-night cruise to Canada in New England, and I've never done this itinerary before. It's actually one of the main reasons why I chose this cruise, and it's also one of our Royal Caribbean blog group cruises, if you're unaware. We do two group cruises a year. This is a regular sailing in which I invite all of you who are listening to this podcast and read royalcaribbeanblog.com to come join us for a sailing. And by the way, we do have two more group cruises coming up for 2024, so if you want to join us for it, you can go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. And this is actually a group cruise that we originally had planned in 2020. That did not happen, but we're doing it here uh, this year. And uh, what's always drawn me about this itinerary, number one, I haven't done this particular sailing going up to Canada. So like that's always something neat and interesting to do. And I always look forward to opportunities to try new itineraries. Number two, I love cold weather cruising. And I don't know that it'll be like, you know, cold, cold, but certainly I would much rather be cold than hot. So from a personal perspective, I certainly like these kinds of sailings. And the fact that we're going here kind of late in the season, late October here, um, you know, that kind of has a, a bigger appeal. When I was picking this cruise, I was leaning between this and another sailing on, I believe it was Jewel of the Seas, sailing out of Quebec and going to New York. That would have been an open jaw sailing, in which that means basically the cruise begins in one port and ends at a completely different port. The problem with that sailing, I'm going to use problem in air quotes, is that I believe it was like 11 or 13 nights, something like that. So it's obviously a longer cruise. Uh, it would have precluded a lot of other people being able to join us for it. Uh, chief among them, my, my family, I thought perhaps my family would be able to join me on this cruise, being only a seven-night cruise. That didn't happen. I mean, it was just in the middle of the school year. It is what it is. I thought maybe my wife would be able to join us for it, and, and someone would watch my kids. Unfortunately, there isn't a huge market for people who want to watch someone else's kids for a week. I, I'm shocked by this. But anyway, I'll be going solo on this cruise. Not my first time going solo, not my preferred way, but I do it from time to time, and you know, when I went to Norway earlier this year, I went solo on that one as well. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses to it. The nice advantage of this cruise is that because it's a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, I certainly won't have to worry too much about, you know, a lack of socializing or anything like that. So anyway, you know, you want to spend time with your family, um, but it's still a cruise and I'll still go on it. So this particular sailing gets seven nights, leaves out of Boston. I've never sailed out of Boston before. I do have one concern about Boston, and this is just anecdotal, but I've heard and read examples and stories of the port situation there being less than ideal. Uh, I just remember seeing a, a video of just everybody lined up in a single file line that goes on forever. And there's no real, like if you're staying in a suite or if you're a higher up in crown and anchor society, like it doesn't matter. Now that could all be different. Who knows? I don't know what to expect, quite frankly, but we will see. Nonetheless, I am excited to cruise out of a completely different port. I'm actually flying up two days early to Boston. I was originally going to fly up one day early, which I usually do, but I love New England. I wanted to go up there and get a little more time. So I'm going to fly up two days early. I'll be up. I take a very early flight. I always like being in Florida. If you all, if you have the chance, you always want to take an early flight in Florida, especially if it's remotely close to the summertime or the fall, because afternoon thunderstorms can wreak havoc with the airspace in around Florida because of, you know, once thunderstorms get over the airport, you get delays and all that. Anyway, 
boarding flights are the way to go. Granted, I didn't really think it through all that much when I realized now that my 7, 10 a.m. flight means I have to probably wake up at like 4. So actually coming in two days early, I mean, I'd be bad idea so I can land in Boston, go to my hotel, hope the room will be ready, and immediately take a nap uh, to try to catch up on some sleep there. But it is what I'd rather be tired than delayed, quite frankly. So that's my plan, flying up to Boston and uh, staying near the uh, near the cruise port. There's a lot of hotels that are near the, the airport and the seaport. The seaport and the airport are very close to each other. And we actually selected a hotel near the airport. It was slightly cheaper and than, than say in a hotel near the seaport, that is. And it still allows us to do things and, and get around. Boston is a very easy city to get around. Anyway, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I'm hoping to do a little bit of exploring. I don't want to overdo it before the cruise, but, you know, it is what it is. So we're boarding the cruise on Sunday, and this episode is coming out here on Wednesday. You can do the math on that. Unless you're listening to this episode, like, two years from now, then it doesn't really matter. But anyway, in a couple days, we'll be boarding the cruise ship. And we have a itinerary that has four port stops to it. First is Sydney, Nova Scotia then Halifax, Nova Scotia, then Bar Harbor, Maine, and Portland, Maine. There are two sea days, day two and day five. So it's an interesting mix. The nice thing about this itinerary is that we get a lot of time in each port. Every port is like a, a full day. Sydney is seven to four, Halifax nine to six, Bar Harbor eight to six, Portland eight to six. So you're not getting gypped on time. Sometimes you go to these ports and it's like, you're there from like, you know, 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. or something like that. And it's like, oh, well, that's not really enough time to do anything. Here, there's plenty of time. And uh, the nice, the, the weird thing, though, about the itinerary is, you know, you have a sea day on day two. That's normal. But then you only have one more sea day, and that's on day five. So it's sea day, port day, port day, sea day, and then port day, port day, and then you're home. And I always hate le- ending your cruise on a port day because you obviously want to spend time and do things in port, but it's the last day of the cruise. You got to pack. You got to get back on board. It's, I don't know, just doesn't have, it's not a preferred way to do things. Now, in terms of what I'm doing in each port, the one overarching goal I had was to obviously take advantage of what's available in each of these places. Having never been here, you know, it's kind of uh, a new journey for me. Now, in Bar Harbor, I booked through Royal Caribbean, the best of Acadia National Park in Cadillac Mountain. This is a tour that uh, really attracted itself to me because number one, I've never been to Acadia National Park unless my parents took me when I was a kid and I don't remember it. But I really wanted to see the highlights, the big things here, and this will bring us to couple different areas and be able to see the the big sites and I'm looking forward to you know just getting there I mean I'm not sure exactly when I'll be able to get back I'm sure I will at some point uh, but who knows when anyway the point is I want to make sure that I get a chance to check it out and so I booked this particular tour through Royal Caribbean and you know when it comes to booking tours through the cruise line or on your own it kind of depends on what my priorities are and a variety of other things but I'll always start with what Royal Caribbean has to offer and while I'm not a huge fan of group tours because of the nature of them, you know, you're moving at the slowest person's pace, and I always find the pacing to be a little off. That being said, it is it was way easier to book it through Royal Caribbean, and being a five-hour tour, I thought, you know what, we'll just go through it there. So anyway, we're going to have a chance to uh, to check that. This, and this is the, this is actually the only, well, that's not true. I was going to say the only organized tour, but uh, there actually is one more that we booked uh, for this. Anyway, that's my Bar Harbor plan. And then when we're in Sydney, Nova Scotia, I booked, actually for our group, we have a group shore excursion. We don't do this on every single group cruise, but from time to time, we'll do a group shore excursion, which everybody that books through our preferred travel agency, MEI Travel, 
we pay for a group shore excursion that everybody can go on. And in this case, it's actually a Sydney pub tour. This is a tour that Royal Caribbean offered. And thanks to MEI Travel to help put it together and get us a little private group. So we get the chance to go around and enjoy some of the pubs around the cities. I mean, most of these cities that we're docking in have very much you're docking right downtown and it's a very walkable city. And so I really like the idea of getting to see these cities on foot and just exploring. And for this one, it'll be kind of fun because we get to, you know, go to different bars and see the sights. And of course, Canada's well known for its beer scene. So very much looking forward to that. But in Portland and Halifax, I don't actually have any organized tours. Again, in Halifax especially, I feel like it's pretty easy to get around. You know, Peggy's Cove is something people talk about. And I've been there when I was a kid, actually. I don't know. We'll see what how how the weather is and how I feel. But my plan in Portland and Halifax is to simply wing it and walk around through Google Maps and you know, being able to kind of take it as I as I see fit. You know, without my kids and my wife there, I don't feel quite as compelled that I need to go do and see everything. But also I see this as an opportunity to kind of just walk around. When I was in Bergen in Norway earlier this year, I really enjoyed walking around a city and just, you know, see where the where the where the wind takes me. Actually, I know where the wind is taking me right when I get off the ship in both Halifax and Sydney. And that is to go get some coffee because uh, I love Tim Hortons. When I went to Alaska last year and we cruised out of Vancouver, I had my first that I can recall Tim Hortons and their iced coffee was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to getting that after my coffee. You know, we'll kind of see the sights and who knows what will happen. But that's the fun part about a cruising. This is what I love about it is that you it's a create your own adventure. Some cases, like in Norway, I had a lot of like hard and fast plans. I booked tours. I wanted to see things. That made sense. Here in Maine and Nova Scotia, uh, other than Cadillac Mountain and Acadia National Park, there isn't quite that draw. So I feel more open, if you will, to being able to kind of do things on my own and explore. Now, we are sailing on Serenade of the Seas. This will be my second time on Serenade. I was on Serenade last summer when we went to Alaska. And, uh, you know, I like the Radius-class ships. I've always liked them. They're, they're a hidden gem of the fleet, and they certainly float under the radar because, of course, they're radiance class, so they're not nearly the biggest ship in the world. They're not the smallest either that Royal Caribbean has, but it's a, I, I think they're very pretty ships. And for this sailing, actually, we're going to do the main dining room. Um, this is another thing. My wife doesn't like the main dining room as much as I do. And so I thought, well, why not just do the main dining room? Again, we've got a lot of friends on board being a group cruise, and maybe there'll be some days where we get back onto the ship from port and I'll be a little tired from, you know, walking around and maybe I just want to do the wind jammer for dinner. That'll be the case. That'll be fine with me. So no worries there. Um, and because it's a fairly important system of material, only two sea days, yeah, that helps mitigate, I think, for anybody who's worried about going on a smaller or older cruise ship. If you only have two sea days, that's a lot less time to feel like you're reliant on what the ship has to offer. Uh, of course, being it's going to be cooler weather, I was looking at the weather earlier for our cruise and it's you know it's not going to be hot by any means again i don't know that you trust the weather forecast but for over the next couple days you've got high temperatures somewhere in the 50s actually we're not going to be there the other day but like a week from now it's like 47 degrees is the high but you know you kind of get the idea that it's not going to be hot you know you're probably have a temperature somewhere in the 50s overnight maybe in the upper 30s and then uh it, can really, it depends on the port obviously because you know if you go to you know boston i'm gonna look up their weather now as well you know, for Sunday, it's high 59. But the weather, I swear the forecast has changed like eight different times now, where one day the forecast for sail away was sunny, and now it's calling for rain. Anyway, it'll be in the low 60s, upper 50s, so 
packing for this cruise, or, you know, I'm gonna, it's layers. Again, I'm going to be bringing, you know, T-shirts to have as a base layer to wear around the cruise ship, but have a waterproof layer. Definitely bring my Alaska jacket with me, which is waterproof and light. And then having a couple different, I would say, I'm not going to go crazy on the sweaters. That's, the, I think, a mistake people make when packing for a cooler weather cruise, whether it be Alaska or, uh, you know, New England. I think what you really want to do is maybe pack one or two fleeces or a sweater that you can reuse because you can reuse, you know, a light sweater or a, or a zip up jacket uh, quite often. It's not like you have to have one for every day. So anyway, um, that being said, when you're on the pool deck, it might be a little more limiting in terms of how much time you want to spend out there. But I am bringing my bathing suit. I'll determine that I will go into the hot tub maybe once. The solarium, of course, on a a radiance class ship is enclosed and it's climate controlled, so I can always go there. And you know, why not bring that kind of a thing there? So that's essentially what I've got planned on there. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of fun. Part of the the real appeal, the reason why I love doing Royal Caribbean blog group cruises is the opportunity to cruise with friends. It really makes it a very enjoyable experience, a very fun experience, and I relish that. So looking forward to that. And when we uh, get back from the cruise, we'll have a review of the sailing for you to share over here on the podcast as well. All right, friends, I'm going to answer your listener emails. First email is from Lori Mannion. We're new to Royal Caribbean. I've really enjoyed your podcast and the blog as we adjust. We have a cruise booked in a two-bedroom suite on Odyssey of the Seas with our three adult children and son and daughter-in-law, so seven of us total. We were thinking of possibly booking an inside cabin just to have extra sleeping space in case things get cramped at night. We don't want to move anyone from the suite to the inside cabin because we want to enjoy a coastal kitchen together and other sweet perks. We would just have the extra cabin for sleeping. Will Royal Caribbean allow my husband and I to be booked in two staterooms? Or will the kids have to suck it up and enjoy sharing the second bedroom and couch on their free cruise? Lori, good question. You can't have people booked in two rooms on the same sailing, unfortunately. So there's no way around that particular issue. And I would say the two-bedroom suite is plenty large. It's a very large amount of space. I don't think you have to worry. I mean, seven people is a lot. Obviously, you'd have two in one bedroom, two in another bedroom, and then at least three. Maybe you can squeeze one into one of the other bedrooms there. I mean, it's going to be a tight fit. I get that. Uh, the issue is you can't book. You can't have a phantom person. And you can't have the uh, somebody double booked. So your only choice is to either, as you say, suck it up or to move somebody on paper to one of the other rooms. The problem is, as you mentioned, it's Coastal Kitchen, and they are very stringent about the fact that no matter how you think everybody's really sleeping, uh, it just matters who's booked in what cabin. So if that's important to you, then I would definitely not recommend moving somebody out of the room unless they're okay not eating Coastal Kitchen. Thank you for the email there. Next email is coming to us from... Uh, Serena, uh, I'm from South Florida. My family's taking a spring break trip on Odyssey this year. My husband and I sailed on our first Royal Caribbean on Harmony. Without the kids, we had a blast. We decided to book this trip while on board so they could experience Royal Caribbean as well. They've only been to Alaska on another fun line with us so far. It was a tiny ship with not much to do. I see Odyssey has a lot on board to book, like Skypad, North Star, the virtual adventure experience, iFly. When are we able to start booking these items? Do they open up closer to the sale date, or are they simply once we board option? Thank you for making the ride to work a little more fun every day. Serena, thanks for the email. So you can book some of these things before the cruise, about 30 days beforehand. You should be able to book them via the Cruise Planner website. Not everything will be there. Remember when I got on Anthem of the Seas, Serena, I had to book certain things like the like North Star and iFly from the Royal Caribbean app once I was connected to the Wi-Fi on board the ship. 
So book what you can uh, via the cruise planner and the rest of it, when you get on board the cruise ship, connect to the Royal Caribbean Wi-Fi and then book it through the Royal Caribbean app. You need to be connected to the Wi-Fi for the app to give you the option to make reservations. Rob from New Jersey has our next question for us. Thanks again for all you do. I just booked the sailing in June, 2024, and the first time my kids will visit Perfect Day. Since they haven't been there and we're going to buy the water park passes, but they will cost me close to $1,000. I know you've talked about this before. We've never done a cabana before. And that is only $1,400 and includes passes. Is the extra $400 no brainer or should I save it? Rob, there's some people that are, that are yelling at their iPhones right now uh, with or radios for that matter with uh, what you should or should not do. I, if, you're if you're yelling at your radio or iPhone that Rob, it used to cost this much, Rob doesn't care because Rob wasn't around when, when it cost that much. It was irrelevant. I will say, yes, the nice thing about the Thrill Water Park Cabana is it includes passes to the water park. And from that perspective, you can make an argument that there's a higher amount of value. Now, the price for a water park cabana, or cabanas in general, a perfect day, have gone up dramatically. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's irrelevant what they used to cost a couple of years ago because like everything cost less than a couple of years ago. So because it's your first visit, and if you're weighing the pros and cons, yeah, I would definitely say, as long as you're not like, you know, killing your, your budget or anything like that, yeah, definitely get the cabana. Because the nice thing about the cabana is not only does it include the passes, but it gives you a home base of operations. They can bring food to you. It's a really nice way to enjoy the water park. No doubt about it. Next, we have an email from uh, Amy. Hi, Matt. I enjoy listening to the podcast in preparation for our Harmony of the Seas cruise, which is a seven-night sailing. I listened to the back episodes, and I was hoping you could clarify something. In several episodes, you encourage passengers to arrive early to maximize the first day, but has that changed? I'm seeing that from fellow passengers that Roller Bill will likely not let you in before your check-in time. Would you agree that is the current practice? We have a 12 p.m. check-in time, and I currently sign up for a 9.30 shuttle from Fort Lauderdale. I'm debating on changing this to 11.30 shuttle, so we're not sitting around the fort when we could be hanging out in a hotel. Any reason to show up early? At this point, I think I listened to every episode. Thank you for my education in Royal Caribbean. Amy, thanks for the email. So a lot of the advice they gave about showing up early was probably you're hearing before the pandemic. And now the check-in process is different. So I would definitely recommend you show up closer to your check-in time for that exact reason that you mentioned. I thought it would be too early. No, it would be way too early, no matter what time your check-in time is. Um, I would say if you have a 12 o'clock time, if the shuttle leaves at 1130, I would say probably leave like 11 would be totally fine. The BC gotta get, you know, shuttles rarely leave on time. People load it in and there's traffic. Uh, so 11, 11, 30, be totally fine there. And I think it'll be, that would definitely be what I would recommend uh, for you, Amy. Uh, next email is from Michael. Hi, Matt. Hope this finds you well. Thanks for all the informative podcasts. My question, I know all cruises are fun. But what do you think is the most underrated cruise? The cruise that the least people talk about, but should be experiencing in your opinion. Oh, boy. And I'll be honest with you. I've not experienced every single cruise. So that's, that's tough to say. Um... See, I've never done the transatlantic. I've heard a lot of people talk whimsically about a transatlantic, how nice that is. I've always said Alaska, I was, I'm gonna say Alaska for the purpose of this argument. Michael, it's a good question. And the reason being that people, I think know that Alaska is beautiful, but until you see it and experience it, you, you won't properly have a good appreciation for it. Because a lot of people get hung up on the fact that it's not a warm weather cruise. Like why would I wanna go somewhere colder than I'm at right now? You know what I mean? Number one, if you're going to Alaska in the months of June, July, or August, it's plenty warm. It's not going to be hot. I mean, it could be, but it's not going to be, you know, 30 degrees either. Okay. It's summertime still over there as well. Number two, it's absolutely stunning and, and majestic. So uh, while Alaska is by no means a hidden, like it's not like people don't know that Alaska has cruises. 
Uh, I think a lot of people overlook it because of the weather aspect and boy, they're missing out on it. So I'll say Alaska, but I'm sure there are other sailings that kind of float under the radar there. I mean, you can make an argument for the seven night uh, Baja cruises down the Mexican coast from Los Angeles are really nice. Those ports are amazing. Food's even better. Uh, Transatlantic sailings, Panama Canal. Panama Canal, actually, now I think about it, might actually be my answer. And I haven't, I've never done that, but that seems to be a must-do. So maybe I'll do... Eh, I'll still stick with Alaska, but, but Panama Canal is a close second. Laura, I have a question about Coastal Kitchen. I booked a junior suite on Anthem of the Season in Europe for next summer. I know we have access to dinner at Coastal Kitchen only if there's availability. However, I've also heard that junior suites are allowed... Junior suites are not allowed to dine in Coastal Kitchen for dinner on the first night, regardless of availability. I can't find written information regarding this. Is that true? We wanted to try to get into Coastal Kitchen on night one due to the filet mignon, but we'll book a special restaurant if Junior Suites cannot enter on night one. Thanks for the email. I couldn't find anything that mentioned that there's restrictions for Junior Suite guests to, to dine at Coastal Kitchen on night one or night two for that matter. So I'm not aware of anything there that requires, uh, that, that prevents you from going. Just make a reservation, obviously. A lot of other people may know the same thing that you do, that they have filet on the first night, and that gets a lot of people going there, which would make it busy, which would maybe make it difficult for you to make a reservation, if that makes sense. But there's nothing listed that I can see that would restrict you on that one. So hopefully that answers your question there. And our final email is from Jonathan. Love the podcast. It's been immeasurably helpful as my family and I prepare for our first cruise, six night in Western Caribbean on Symphony in February of 2024. I see that you're planning an upcoming New England Canada cruise on Serenade that includes a stop in Portland, Maine. As someone who lives and works in Portland, I can see the cruise terminal from my office. I'm curious to hear what you may have planned for your stop in Portland. October is a great time to visit Maine, and Portland's old port is full of great options for cruise passengers to choose from. No matter what you decide to do, I hope you enjoy your time in vacation land. Thanks again for providing this cruising novice such great advice and info. Boy, I did not plan for this email to be read today, but it worked out really, really well for me. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, Jonathan, uh, for Portland, I'm just planning on winging, walking around, and it sounds like, uh, by virtue of the fact that there's stuff in the old port, that sounds like a great idea. So I'm very much looking forward to walking around Portland, seeing the sights, and enjoying my time in the city. It's one of my favorite things to do on any cruise. So good to hear, Jonathan, that I'm already on the right foot there. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Real Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always email me your questions by emailing them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.